Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Welcome to this latest episode of Connect, sponsored by our call and vocation team in the Western North Carolina Conference. Today's guest is Dr. Larry Duggins of South Lake, Texas. He holds a DMIN and an MDiv from Perkins School of Theology, and he finished with an MBA, an MS in Finance, and a BS from Louisiana State University. He came to ministry later in life after working in the business world and then became a student at Perkins, and he's currently the leader for the Missional Wisdom Foundation, which is headquartered at White's Chapel United Methodist Church in Southlake, Texas. He also co-founded the Missional Wisdom Foundation with Elaine Heath. So welcome to the show, Larry. Thanks, Michael. And uh, we're just going to get right into some questions since we don't have much time. Um, Go for so it. So let's talk about the beginning. Um, give us a little <laughs> of your background and uh, where you come from and how in the heck you got five degrees in your life and uh, where you grew up and went to school, those kinds of things. Got it, got it. Um, my dad uh, was from East Tennessee, and so uh, I've had a connection to your part of the world uh, for a long time. I always came to Greene County uh, as, a, as a child to go play on the uncle's farm. So it's it's, okay. it's wonderful to be uh, reconnected a little bit with uh, with that part of the world. Mom was from uh, East, uh, I'm sorry, West Texas. And so um, we also had a Texas connection for a whole long time. And uh, I was born in upstate New York. Uh, Dad worked for IBM back when that okay. meant I've been moved. And so it was almost a, a military kind of thing. So uh, mm -hmm. as a child, I lived in uh, upstate New York, in uh, Orlando, Florida, Nashville, Tennessee, a suburb of New York City, um, a suburb of New Orleans, Louisiana. And so um, went went all over everywhere. Uh, finally went to LSU and Baton Rouge as, uh, uh, as a vast majority of the kids who I was in high school did. And had just a wonderful time there um, doing uh, my, my first set of degrees. Moved from there uh, to Houston, Texas, where I was a commercial banker for a number of years. And then left and uh, started my own company in a very specialized kind of real estate finance, which I did for a, a long time. Okay. And so I know uh, uh, you uh, met up with Elaine later in your life and at Perkins, but uh, tell us about your call story. How did that come about in your life? Yeah, I was very blessed to have um, uh, Christian parents, and um, you know we were regular uh, church and Sunday school goers. But the real lesson came from watching the way the way that they uh, lived their life. They were just uh, always looking out for someone else, always giving, always inviting somebody into the home, and it was just a uh, it was a, a great example to be able to follow. Um, so um, I uh, came to the United Methodist Church uh, out of college and, um, you know, I kind of was a Sunday church goer until uh, I had kids. And uh, when we had kids, we began to get involved in 
their Christian education. And uh, as I was doing Sunday school, especially for my son, um, I found that, uh, of course, I wasn't happy with uh, the canned curriculum, so I had to do all my own study be able to teach, and uh, mm-hmm. it just draw, drew me deeper and deeper uh, into my relationship with God, uh, until finally um, in March of 2008, um, I was flying home from New York City um, for the third time that week. Um, mm-hmm. I was exhausted and was just not even seeing straight and ask the flight attendant to please just go away and don't bother me. I'll tell you if I need anything and had kind of settled into to my corner to um, just veg for a minute. And it was at that point that the Holy Spirit gave me an elbow and said, you know, how many more deals do you need to do? How much more money do you need? Um, I have other things for you to do. And that was in March of 2008. Uh, I stopped working uh, in June of 2008 and was at Perkins in August of 2008. So I was blessed to have a very uh, clear call that I could respond to quickly. Well, let's uh, let me just track this back. So 2008, you quit school, <laughs> yeah. you go to Perkins, and yeah. when did you get, get ordained an elder? Um, I was ordained in 2011-ish. It was either 2011 or 2012. So I went straight into uh, MDiv studies and did my uh, MDiv in uh, three years. And um, because of uh, the fact that I had a little bit of mileage under my belt, was able to go straight into a doctor of ministry program. So I was essentially at Perkins for five continuous years. And wow. while I was doing that, I was working uh, at White's Chapel United Methodist, which has been my home church for the last 20 years. Okay. But um, that was uh, that was quite an experience as well. In that White's Chapel is um, either the fifth or sixth largest. United Methodist Church in the country. Uh, we have 13,000 members, and so it was a very interesting place to to be actively involved in ministry, and the Missional Wisdom Foundation is still here on the White's Chapel campus. Okay. Um, you ask about Elaine, and mm-hmm. uh, connection with Elaine is, a, is another interesting story. Um, sure. At the end of my first year of seminary, I was going on an international immersion trip, which is something that they do at, at Perkins folk. And um, I was going to study uh, monasticism um, from a Celtic perspective. And so mm-hmm. uh, Elaine was the leader of that um, of that trip. And when I got to the airport, I quickly realized that I was the only student on the entire trip who didn't know her. And so hmm. I um, sat down and in the uh, departure lounge as we're getting ready to fly to Scotland. And um, in about three minutes, realized that we had a whole lot in common and a whole lot of of talking to do. And so we we talked a lot uh, that that first week as we were traveling and uh, uh, heading to Iona. And um, while we were on Iona, uh, we actually found ourselves in the only hotel with an internet connection, searching for the first property. To to buy uh, for our first new monastic. 
autistic community. <laughs> so All right. it's a, a very funny story as to how um, the Holy Spirit brought us together. Yeah, and she tells it frequently. So uh, she told it at an annual conference here in 2013. She, oh, did uh, she? Oh, yeah, told it recently uh, to another group that I was talking to. And uh, it, it's pretty amazing that that story gets told over and over again. It, it was definitely yeah. a God God moment. It was. One of the things about the, the foundation and, and working with Elaine specifically is that um, we've gotten to the point where we listen very closely for what the Holy Spirit is up to because um, God's providence has been all over it. And so um, it's, it's, it's a way we've learned to try to approach life in general. Sure. So um, one of the questions I ask of everybody that's on a, one of our call and vocation shows is mm-hmm. uh, describe your call in one or two words. Yeah, if I needed to do that, I would say missional church. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the, that concept um, really um, is, is about what I've been called to do, and it, it's, it's helping p- people to see um, God outside of the, um, the, 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 the church building, um, being out um, as God's people in the world. All right. And uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about who are the people that influenced that call in your life? Who who were they then as it took shape? Who are they now? Yeah, um, I, I think that... Um, you know, I mentioned mom and dad as the uh, as mm-hmm. as it was really the first formers there, and um, I I would have to mention um, uh, Dr. John McKellar and Dr. Todd Renner of uh, White's Chapel. Um, they're our co-pastors and uh, uh, really um, absorbed a lot from their teaching. Um, I was a very avid consumer of the writings of Brian McLaren. Uh, I, I, I read a lot of Brian's work, and I also read a lot of Richard Rohr's work, um, who, who both really have um, influenced me in the, the the formation of my own theology. And then, of course, I'd I'd have to say Elaine Heath, uh, no doubt. You know, who has been uh, has been a, a great influence in in my life. Um, I'd also need to to point out the ongoing uh, uh, connection with uh, uh, Dr. John Boggs. Um, Hmm. John uh, uh, has been absolutely um, influential in everything that we have done in Western North Carolina and North Carolina in general, but John is also um, a great cheerleader and instigator for us um, in all the things we do. And so um, John is a a wonderful influence on us and on me personally. No doubt, yeah. It goes back, uh, John and I go back to, I think it was 1990 or 91 when uh, he came to be the um, senior pastor to church where I was the associate. And I really awesome. didn't know him except uh, um, in, in the district as a pastor. And uh, then we started working together. And, you know, he's an instigator and cheerleader now. Um, if you could imagine him you know, 20 years ago. Um, it was even more so because he had a little bit more energy and he was young and it was just amazing <laughs> to work with him. Um, uh, it was said about John Bob back then, he's a man with 2000 visions. Uh, yeah. back when the church was doing vision 2000 and, uh, somebody <laughs> said, well, we're in vision 2000, but that man's got 2000 visions and it's wearing yeah, us it out. 
That is the truth. I can't imagine a more energetic John Boggs. I'm just going to have to sit with that one for a little while. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty amazing to think. Uh, he's done a huge amount of great work with us and, and, and in western North Carolina and now, now for the whole state. I'm very excited for, for John. Well, uh, let's just talk a little bit more about the beginnings. When was the b- beginning of the Mission Wisdom Foundation? Um, the foundation itself was formed in early 2010. Um, okay. When we when we formed it, we actually were building on a little work that Elaine did um, as far back as 2008. Um, she formed uh, the first iteration of our missional microchurch called New Day um, mm-hmm. in in late 2008, and she also was able to pull together a group of three young women to form the first intentional community also in 2008. So um, uh, legally speaking, 2010, uh, practically speaking, 2008. Okay. Well, um, and you mentioned uh, New Day and those kinds of things. I want to come back after a short break, and we're going to talk even more specific about uh, the Missional Wisdom Foundation and its work, the Missional Wisdom Academy, or the Academy for Missional Wisdom, and, and some of the other things that Uh, you folks have cooked up and especially talk about what's going on here in North Carolina, because I know that a lot of folks listening don't really know uh, all the depths of what you've been doing here. So uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back shortly. My name is Sally Queen and I'm the Associate Director of Ministerial Services. By virtue of our baptism, we are all called into ministry. This call is being faithfully lived out in the communities of Western North Carolina as people of all ages participate in building God's kingdom. Others are responding to God's call to license or ordain ministry by committing to faithfully lead our churches in vitality. All who are called are using their talents and gifts to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. Hello, I'm Jim Parsons, the chair of the Call and Vocation team for the Western North Carolina Conference. We are thrilled to partner with UM Connect to bring you some unique conversations in 2016. Our team is focused on cultivating a culture of call within our conference. For more about our work, please visit us at isgodcallingme.org. And you can find out more about that Call and Vocation team uh, at the Western North Carolina website, wnccumc.org. So we're here with Larry Duggins, and we're on the phone from uh, Texas to Lake Junaluska, North Carolina. So I said we'd come back and talk more specifically about what the Missional Wisdom Foundation looks like. And um, you talked about New Day and the first house with three young women. And I believe one of those women is now serving as a deacon in our conference. Isn't that correct? <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, uh, Amy Leachman uh, was one of the first people to live in community with us and is now part of the staff at Central. Yeah, Central in Asheville. And so, yeah, yeah it was pretty funny when Amy came. And she came with a dog and a car full of stuff and had no idea what she was going to be doing. And, <laughs> Yeah, that was another uh, one of those calls, wasn't it? It was, and she got in touch with John Boggs. Yeah. And that's all it took. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. So um, amazing. The the 
Yeah, it is amazing, and just another one of the ways that um, God has, has consistently pulled together um, uh, the right people and the right resources um, to, to to make this uh, adventure work. Um, really, Michael, the Missional Wisdom Foundation um, does two things. Um, okay. We experiment with and we teach about alternative forms of Christian community. And um, what what we're trying to do is not uh, not replace uh, church. We 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 mm-hmm. everything we do can stand alongside um, the the existing manifestations of church that we've got um, both in in North Carolina and really in the world. But what we're trying to do is help people get their arms around um, different ways that people can form Christian community. We we spent a lot of time thinking about the way that people form community. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, used to be in the the 1950s, the the church could be a central. Uh, a locus of community for a neighborhood. Um, people, uh, uh, everyone went to one church or another and, and they got to know their neighbors that way and they got to uh, serve their communities that way and they, uh, uh, you know, it was just, it was a central um, uh, focal point of the way that people form community. But but people don't form community that way anymore. And so we, we've spent some time thinking about how exactly is it that people come together today? Well, we think that people come together around their workplaces. They, they form friendships at work and do, do, do things uh, along with their workmates. Um, we find that people form community around food, that mm-hmm. the family table is important, but also uh, dining out with friends and, and, and food itself is another one that draws people together. Uh, we find that people form community around their children and around their mm-hmm. Children's schools and sports activities. I bet that 75% of the adult friends that my wife and I have um, were formed there. Uh, that mm. that that they're the parents of 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 kids that uh, grew up with my kids. Um, and then finally, we find that people come together around shared recreational activities, around either learning to do a recreational activity or actually doing it. And that goes from you know people who go out and hike in the mountains together, to people who go bowling together, to people who sit and quilt together. And so mm-hmm. um, we we started thinking about, okay, how can we um, um, help people come together in those ways and help them see Christ in that? And so mm-hmm. um, we've started um, to take church spaces uh, and convert them so that um, they can be used for a combination of those kinds of gatherings. So um, one of the, uh, the biggest uh, experiments that we're doing right now is, is, is in Asheville, North Carolina, in uh, East Asheville in a neighborhood called Hall Creek, around Bethesda United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Um, we um, worked closely with uh, the, the cabinet there in Western North Carolina and entered into a 25-year lease agreement where the Missional Wisdom Foundation has actually leased the church property and um, the, the 
parsonage that's next door to it for 25 years. Um, that mm. church had uh, a huge and wonderful, vibrant history. Uh, they, they, the church dates back to the 1870s, um, but it had gone the way of the neighborhood church. It, it was down to uh, a membership role of uh, 21 or 22 people with an average of eight or 10 people in worship on a Sunday. And they were they were scared that they were going to close. And so um, they uh, went and found a couple of other churches to uh, share the building with them so they were able to keep the bills paid. But uh, we said, you know, you're in an amazing community. Let's see if we can do some other things with this building while mm-hmm. keeping it um, where you can actually still worship in it, but but do things that we can draw folks together. So um, we, we're in the middle of a pretty extensive redesign pro, pro, uh, project at the church. We've taken out all of the pews in the sanctuary so that we've got a big open space that's got a beautiful hardwood floor that we can use for flexible worship space, but we can also invite the community in when they need to have a place to meet. We took the pews and had a local craftsman make them into uh, tables that we'll Hmm. use in our um, uh, co-working space that I'll talk about in just a minute uh, downstairs. We also had him make some porch swings and some mini pews and some cutting boards. Uh, And the idea is that that we were taking that material and repurposing it in a way that it could either go into the homes of people who understood its history or could mm-hmm. actually be reused within the church space as part of the programs that we're doing. I mm-hmm. mentioned um, a co-working space. Um, mm-hmm. uh, co-working is a concept that's kind of like executive suites used to be, but it's, it's different in that um, it's designed specifically for people who um, would otherwise work from their home or work from a coffee shop, but who would like to be in a a working community. And so um, we're redoing about half of the um, uh, fellowship hall space into a place that's got two or three different heights of tables, uh, got a lot of light, has some uh, really good internet and some uh, office equipment where people can come and uh, for a very reasonable rental fee, rent a space down there to be able to work so that they're around people and can form community while getting their work done. Uh, Kind of a... A similar idea is also going on there. It had a little bitty kitchen, which we've knocked out and are in the process of renovating into a uh, full, um, uh, fully certified commercial kitchen so that people, again, in the area who were um, making items for sale at home, um, uh, that, you know, we found people who were making salsa and we found people who were making cookies and things like mm. that. They can come and rent shared space within the commercial kitchen and legally sell um, the items that they're they're making because it's being done in a commercial kitchen. Again, Mm -hmm. finding ways that people need to come together and helping them form community while they're doing that. Um, 
we're adjacent to Hawk Creek Elementary School and so have um, put in some gardens on our property so that the elementary school, school kids can come over and share in the garden and can see our beehives and kind of learn a little bit there. Our, our, our staff there is fabulous. We've got Karen Doucette who is appointed quarter time as the um, pastor of Bethesda United Methodist Church and who has appointed three quarters time to work for the Missional Wisdom Foundation as the community pastor. And so Karen is able to go and connect in all of these activities um, in addition to, to only the ones that are specifically related to the Bethesda congregation. We've also got an incredible woman named Katie Rudd who um, lived in community with us in Fort Worth for a number of years and uh, who uh, used to be the... Uh, uh, community gardening coordinator for the Tarrant County Food Bank. Uh, hmm. So Katie is an amazing gardener. She is a, a registered dietitian, and she is an amazing um, a person of great energy who is um, enlivening our activities in that place. Um, I could go on just with Hall Creek. I mean, we, we've we, in the... Um, well, let's go on uh, to some other things. Well, within the parsonage, we've built a um, a, a great big uh, quilting room. We've got uh, an area of retreat space built so that if people need need to come and spend the night in retreat for a group, they can do that there. There's lots of stuff going on in East yeah, Asheville and around Hawk Creek. Again, is a um, intentional community. Uh, it when Amy did. first it, moved it, out, and the, there exactly were a few people right. in there. Exactly right. And so now um, that's being repurposed. Then. It is. It is. And that's kind of what we're about. We're about experimenting and trying ways to help people connect with each other, knowing that when they learn to love each other, that's a wonderful avenue of prevenient grace for the Holy Spirit to invite them to love God as well. Mm -hmm. um, other things in east in, in western North Carolina, um, I, we, I, I mentioned that we um, experiment with uh, alternative Christian community, but we also teach about it. Um, we've had four cohorts of pastors and lay people go through a training that we're now calling Launch and Lead through the Academy for Missional Wisdom. It's a two-year uh, program where um, both pastors and lay people learn about missional church, learn about the ideas um, involved in missional church, and then actually go out and do an experiment of creating some form of missional community around them. Um, people in Western North Carolina have experimented with residential um, new monastic housing. They've experimented with these missional micro churches, but they've also done hiking churches. They've done um, uh, churches that uh, were essentially based in local bars. They've done um, amazing um, uh, work uh, with the homeless. It, it, it's just incredible to see how many people have done wonderful missional things um, uh, by being trained, but, but more importantly, by being just wrapped up in the, uh, the wonderful energy that is Western North Carolina. Yeah, and I regret, I actually started out, I think, in the second cohort. And, you did. Uh, the bishop changed my uh, position <laughs> where I was spending so much time doing a remake of websites and things like that. I could not 
uh, hold on. But it, it's been interesting to see how that all uh, has flowed and to have four cohorts uh, now in the state is pretty amazing stuff. It really um, is. It really is, and it's spreading. Um, we started out pretty much um, focused in, in in the Asheville area and then in, in just portion of western North Carolina, but now we've got people who are, are practically over the entire state of North Carolina from those cohorts. And, you know, we've had, um, uh, I think that we've had 16 cohorts so far, ranging from Texas to North Carolina to Alaska. And so um, pretty exciting stuff. No doubt. Well, uh, we spoke about Elaine Heath, and she actually showed Mm -hmm. up at our annual conference uh, this past week. And uh, so she's moving to Duke and uh, will be the dean of the Divinity School there. What does that mean for... Um, the Mission of Wisdom Foundation for you and your work, and um, let's think about that for a moment. Um, the 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 Mission of Wisdom Foundation will be forever indebted to Elaine Heath. Um, she co-founded it. Um, she um, had so many of the ideas and did so much of the work um, that we are continuing to build on now. Um, and in fact, I believe personally that 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 part of what Duke was seeing when they were um, uh, looking at her as a potential candidate was the idea that you know here's a person who is is a first-tier academic, somebody who can Mm. stand up academically with anybody in this country, um, but who also is an amazing practitioner of what she preaches. And so where where many, many uh, academics um, can outline a beautiful idea, Elaine outlines beautiful ideas and then goes and does them. Um, and um, boy, that's what I'm uh, really anticipating that, that we're going to start seeing flow out of Duke. Um, I think that... Um, I, I, we're just thrilled to death is, is, is the best way to say it, Michael. She is going to remain on the board of directors of the foundation. That was something that uh, she um, negotiated with Duke coming in and that Duke heartily endorsed. And um, so we'll continue to have, have our Elaine connection, but I'm also just thrilled to death that um, she is going to be able to take a place in an institution as amazing as Duke Divinity and help it to um, transform uh, into an incredible place of amazing learning and um, pastoral practice. It's going to be fabulous. And I can't wait to see, you know, what she can come up with. I mean, Duke Endowment has been very supportive of everything you've oh, done so absolutely. far. Absolutely, yeah. And we have the dean. We're so grateful for that. Yeah, uh, getting <laughs> opportunity to to direct some funds will be an amazing thing to see. And um, you know, I just be. know that uh, this whole idea of uh, missional wisdom will will blow up here in North Carolina, and we'll see some things that we haven't seen yet. So I think uh, so. I think so. Well, we're going to run out of time here before long, okay. so uh, I'm just going to give you a final word. What do you want to tell the listeners today? Uh, what's on your heart? We are in the middle of a transformation of the church. Um, we are seeing um, the Holy Spirit move in a way that says, you know, I understand that church as we have done it 
doesn't connect with everybody. And that's okay because I connect with everybody. And mm. I'm seeing so many people take so many steps to helping people form community in a way that honors and loves the Holy Spirit of God, um, that it, it's just such an exciting time to be in, um, in in the place that we are as um, Christian leaders. So um, I, I'm, there is all manner of great, wonderful things on the horizon for all of us. No doubt about it. Well, Larry, thank you so much for being on this show with us. And well, uh, I look pleasure. forward to thank connecting you so much. with you as you come out to North Carolina and do more work in Hawk Creek and in this area. And uh, So know that you always have a home on this show. We'll get you back because I know you haven't told us everything that needs to be said. <laughs> thank you so much, Michael. It's an absolute pleasure. All right, and thanks, everyone, for listening to us here on Blog Talk Radio. And you can always find uh, our past shows at blogtalk.com. You can also uh, find them on our website, umconnect.info, and you can also find them on iTunes. So thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the Sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.